Oh, just do it. Radio. There you go. <laughs> Didn't want to go too soon. <laughs> this is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Oh, yeah. Oh. There he is. Okay. One and only Ron. One and only. In- one. Incomparable. I think that's what that means. In- Incomparable. Incomparable. Yeah. Incomparable. Yeah. Incomparable. Yeah. Incomparable. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we are live. We survived the hurricane, or the latest mm-hmm. hurricane. Who knows what's going to happen in the next one that's out there. Oh, um, yeah. But we, we survived this one, and we're live out here again with you. And welcome to all those on Facebook. Uh, I was talking to my daughter, who is a Facebook fan, and she says, Dad, she says, that's really a good idea that you guys are doing Facebook. Because people listen to that. There's so much easier than trying to find you on Blog Talk Radio. So, so I. That's true. And that is true. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Because uh, <laughs> it is a lot easier to find us on Facebook than it is on Blog Talk Radio. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but uh, all of you Facebook people, and, and we're getting more likes and everything else, too, uh, on Facebook because of it. So, that's yeah. cool. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it works. Still a long ways from our first thousand, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell everybody this is social media. Uh, share it. Uh, share the share our show on on your Facebook pages, uh, your your uh, personal uh, profiles or whatever. You can hit that share button and share it across. Uh, hey, somebody just liked it. Hey, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah share, share it to your friends and Thanks. let them know about it. And uh, yeah, there you go. I just. I just got a like on the when I'm watching us, and uh, let them know and let them know we're live every Thursday p.m. Uh, 7 p.m. Uh, right here on on Facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a lot easier to find us there, a lot easier to sit and listen to us. I think there's you know on Facebook. I think you can listen to us while you're still browsing Facebook. You don't have to just lock it on to us and just sit there and listen to us. You can still browse Facebook while you're listening to us. So, you know, it's, and it's also portable uh, because you can, you, you know, you have the Facebook apps for, for all the phones and everything. You can yeah. hit the play button and, and do it that way as well and take us portable with you instead of, I, I don't think Blog Talk Radio has an app or anything that, that you have to be on their website to listen to it. So um, that's uh, that's a good point. I never, it, never considered I never, that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, people have the app. I, I do it all the time. I watch uh, live stuff, and it's uh, it's a great medium. And uh, next week, Ron has agreed to be on camera. 
You know, I, I did I did my radio show this morning, and I and I went on Facebook to, just to do a test, like we're doing, like we did that first time on on the All About Wine show. My radio show, I came up with the screens, and I was like, oh, you know what? I could put my little picture on it. This was the night last night. I could put my little picture on there with the webcam and just show what's going on here. And then I I did it, and but I didn't have the camera hooked up, and I thought, there's no way they want to see me at seven o'clock in the morning. I don't think anybody does. I don't even want to. And so that and. Uh, Nip yeah. it in the butt. <laughs> oh, real quickly. I was like, nope, mm. I'm not going to put the video feed on there. So I just put a static screen on uh, of of what the what the mixing software looked like. So I showed that for a little bit. And then I realized the music was going out over Facebook. And that's a no-no. So I had to delete the video. and uh-huh. But that didn't last too long. But yeah. uh, well, next week. But it was yeah, a good experience when you had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no uh, way I'm gonna I'm gonna no appear way. on that time of the morning or this time of the evening. There's there's no way. Um, I uh, not, I get on Facebook I, uh, when I hook up the Skype, it immediately shows the camera, shows my face, and I go, oh no! And I sit there panic because I think it's not going to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Okay. Um, yeah, so you're not going to see that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It, it is Thursday, September the 5th, uh, 7.05 p.m., and uh, we have uh, some topics to discuss. And if you'd like to chat with us, please, again, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. The chat But Oh, somebody is. Marianne. Thank you, Marianne. Woo-hoo. Um, type a quick hello there. All right. Take it, take it away, Ron. Yeah, well, you know, again, thanks for listening on Facebook and Blog Talk Radio. That We talked about Facebook, but we are still on Blog Talk Radio Live right now and archives and all that, so you can always check that out. And those of you on Facebook, if you want to check out any older programs, always go to Blog Talk Radio slash All About Wine, and we're there, as is all past episodes, and you can go to our website and there's all sorts of links to different wineries and stuff that we've talked over the years and all sorts of good stuff on there so we will flood you with wine and wine news and wineries and wine info and you can sit down and just you know get your feel of all that but we also do other stuff as you will find in some of our episodes we've talked about other odds and end things too which is always fun and if you ever have any suggestions or if you have a question about a topic you'd like us to cover or something that you'd like to know let us know on Facebook, or you can email us, or any number of ways you can get in touch with us, and we will be happy to talk and to you about that, or find out information, let you know. Uh, our uh, email address is allaboutwine101 at gmail.com, so if there's anything you want to, want to know or anything and don't want to go through Facebook then you can always email me, and I'll check it out. One of our features is what's coming up on National Food Days, or what's happening in uh, things you can pair wines with this coming week. Today is National Cheese Pizza Day, which is always a good wine day. Pizza and wine. You know, you don't have to stay with the beer. You can always go pizza and wine, and that's always fun. A cheese pizza 
and get yourself a uh, light uh, Chenin Blanc or Gerberse Demeanor or, well, Gerberse might be too spicy since you're only having cheese, but a Chenin Blanc or Sauvignon Blanc or even a Chardonnay might go real well with that cheese pizza. Today, National Cheese Pizza Day. Tomorrow is Read a Book Day, so while you're sitting around reading a book, it's also National Coffee Ice Cream Day. But wine and reading a book is always fun. You can read a book on a tablet, I guess. It doesn't have to be a paper book, but I suppose this is what National Read a Book Day is all about, is picking up that book. Saturday, it's not conducive of wine, but it's something for all you beer lovers out there. It is National Beer Lovers Day. So this coming Saturday, day after tomorrow, National Beer Lovers Day. Sunday, National Date Palm Bread Day, or Date Nut Bread Day, not Date Palm, Date Nut. Date Nut Bread Day. Also, Sunday's National Grandparents Day. So if you have a grandparent out there, get a hold of them. Tell them thanks because, you know, they're part of your lineage and if I'm your grandparent, then give me wine and tell all of your grandkids, hey, have mom and dad pick up a bottle of wine for a present for me. Tuesday or Monday is uh, National I Love Food Day. That's always a good day. So National I Love Food Day, you can pair any food with any wine and you are set. Also Monday is National Wiener Schnitzel Day. Tuesday. Following Wiener Schnitzel Day on Monday is National Hot Dog Day on Tuesday. And it doesn't say what type of hot dog or what you put on it. It's just hot dog day. So you can have a Chicago hot dog, or you can have a Coney Island hot dog, or you can have a kosher hot dog, or you can have whatever you want. Tuesday, National Hot Dog Day. And it depends on how you dress that thing up. It depends on what type of wine you want to go with it. But your basic hot dog... Get yourself a, a light red wine, and I think you can't go wrong on that. Next Wednesday, National Hot Cross Bun Day. So that's, uh, don't put anything on it, just a hot cross bun. And I'm sure you'll find a wine with that. And then next Thursday, not a wine day, but always a good day for National Chocolate Milkshake Day. And it says milkshake, not malt. I don't know if they make malts anymore, anyway, anywhere. Uh, malt is, you can buy a container of malt mix and add it to your ice cream and milk and stuff and make a malt. But now they don't do that so much. They have milkshakes. I used to grow up drinking malts all the time. And now it's milkshakes. So there you go. That's what you're foods are this coming week and you can match it up with just about any wine that you find interesting and fun and enjoyable and especially coming up on uh, National Food Lovers Day or I Love Food Day on next Monday. That gives you a blank slate for whatever you want. Wineries. Let me find, there's, I'm getting some news from wineries here as soon as I can find my cursor on my computer here. There it is. Okay. Wineries. What have we got on wineries that's coming up? All right. Castle Ridge Winery. Castle Ridge Winery is located in Iowa. They are in the southeastern part of Iowa, a little town called Lighton. Uh, 
or Leighton, I believe it's pronounced, Leighton, Iowa. Uh, the uh, southeast of Des Moines. They've got a bunch of stuff as always going on. They're celebrating National Red Wine Day. Uh, oop, that's passed. Uh, they celebrated National Red Wine Day, uh, but they have all sorts of other things going on. They, uh, the wine of the week is the 2015 Iowa Silky St. Croix uh, red wine. They have uh, in the vineyard, they have a, uh, a meal coming up in the vineyard. The uh, uh, ambassadors, the people who help with the winery, have specials that they're doing for customers. The uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Monday, they're they're doing uh, a new release this weekend, a new release of the 2018 Iowa Steuben release. And I don't think that's all. I think they've got some more stuff going here. Tassel Ridge, yeah, they do. Uh, they said grape harvest has been very slow. Uh, our ripening has been very slow uh, because of the weather, which, you know, you can blame everything on the weather. It's been affecting everyone. Uh, the They have also uh, their lunch daily specials there and wood-fired pizza, wine and wood-fired pizza uh, every uh, Friday and Saturday. And they have... Uh, Let's see, wine and casual Asian plate coming up on the end of uh, September, 26th of September. So, bunch of stuff at Castle Ridge Wine. They've got some nice wine stuff in there. It's a beautiful place if you're ever in that area. Southeast Iowa, located uh, close to Oskaloosa and south southeast of Des Moines. So, that is the area that... Uh, you're going to find Tassel Ridge Winery. And let's see, there's another one. Keith Joshua Winery. They are located in southern Arizona. Uh, Elgin, Arizona. And they have a uh, the first ever Southeast Arizona New Ventures Harvest Festival which is set for September the 30th at Keith Joshua Winery, or Vineyards, actually. Uh, it's the first annual Southeast Arizona New Ventures Wine Growers Harvest Festival. And its seven Arizona-based wineries and vineyards will be in attendance, and they will be pouring wines and doing tastings, and they will have music, and they will have food trucks, and they will have... Uh, uh, Texas barbecue and all sorts of goodies there. Tickets are $15 per person and includes a souvenir glass and five wine tastings. What a deal. I mean, that's pretty good. That's that's a, a good deal. So if you get a chance, if you're in southern Arizona coming up on the end of this month, that is, again, on the 21st, which is a Saturday, then... Check out Keith Joshua Winery and their first ever, first annual, they said they're going to do more, so first annual Wine Growers Harvest Festival. And then coming up in, on October 12th, Keith Joshua is doing a five-course harvest fest. And this is in the vineyard, 
this is a pretty neat deal. They've done this in the past, and it's just really fantastic. $75 per person. That's limited space, not tip and gratuity. But it's five cores, starting out with smoked salmon and potato with bozern shrimp, cauchy, and capri screws, and wine with all these. Second course is shrimp and grits and all sorts of stuff. Third course, chicken. And fourth course is uh, pork loin. Fifth course is chocolate mousse cups, plus a bunch of other stuff. All sorts of neat stuff on there. I'm going to read you the whole menu because you'll go crazy. I mean, it's just, it's great stuff. $75 well, well, well worth the price. And you get wine with all that. And I think they have music too. It doesn't stay here, but if I remember, they do have music that's a pianist or something. It's something like the whole time, but it's in the vineyard, actually in the vineyard. And that is October 20, uh, October 12th. And by that time, the Southern Arizona, it's really pretty nice. And they're elevated too. So it cools off a little bit there. So, a couple of things for Keith and Joshua coming up, uh, Winery. And uh, let's see. I had another. Oh, Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks is always doing stuff that they are yet again. Whispering Oaks is located in east of Ocala, east of Gainesville, in northern part of California, not on the Panhandle, still down here with us. But they are doing an award-winning steak night at Whispering Oaks, which they do quite often. Uh, it's coming up this Saturday. Twenty fifty per person does not include tax or activity or the, any alcohol. Uh, they have uh, steak, winning steak, uh, sixteen ounce ribeye or twelve ounce beef fillet, or if you're not into the meats, they got called called Alaskan salmon with baked potato and green beans and uh, baked beans and salad and fresh baked bread, all sorts of good stuff. And they're great wines. You can always order wines with it. So that's this Saturday. And then they got live music coming up on September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Again this weekend, starting tomorrow. Uh, Different artists throughout the weekend. So uh, the Muds, Del Stumble, and Richie Q will be playing those three days in different times uh, throughout the day too. That's Saturday they got a uh, one to four. Del Stumble will be playing in six to nine. The Muds. So uh, a lot of this stuff will be going on during the day. And they also have a great facility out there. So if you're looking at doing uh, weddings or a getaway or gatherings or anything, a great place for that. So, Whispering Oaks, they are located at uh, County Line, our County Road 475 in Oxford, 352-748-0449. If you need to get a hold of them to make reservations for this weekend's meal, do so. And uh, is it this weekend? Yeah, this Saturday night. So, do so, and uh, they'll be happy to take your reservations there. And I think I've got a couple more. Yes. Henry River. Henry River Winery. They just released their uh, 
early bird festival tickets for the Newberry, Newberry Harvest Festival. It's coming up. Newberries were the okay, Newberry, South Carolina, North, you know, South Carolina. Uh, they, uh, the Harvest Festival is coming up, so the tickets are now available. And they need vendors, so if you are a vendor in that area, you would like to be part of that, you can do so. 200 discount tickets for early birds, save $5 off the regular price. This is limited. Uh, eighth annual Newberry Harvest Festival features handcrafted wine by four wineries, two live bands, two food trucks, plus other vendors, wine slushies, and they're releasing their cranberry wine at the time. And the Newbury Festival is Saturday, October 12th. So you that's from 10.30 to 6. So you've still got a little over a month to get ready for that. Vendors, get a hold of them. If you want to get your tickets, call 803-276-2855. That's Entry River in Newbury, South Carolina. And Delmonico Winery. The Monaco Winery is uh, uh, showing at the Monaco Winery. They're having a Blazing Phoenix concert, a Bingo Bags and Bordeaux fundraiser, Cork and Pork, a private dinner, Blush and Brush. Uh, They've got a bunch of stuff going on there over the next uh, few uh, weeks here. The Cork and Pork, for example, September 14th from noon to 5. Uh, and there are uh, just a lot of things going on there. You can go to their website uh, or Facebook page. Probably the best way to do it. Go to the Facebook page uh, and they will, Demonico Winery, uh, Facebook slash Demonico Winery, and there's all sorts of stuff of what's coming up there and what's happening there. And uh, they are they're located in Tennessee. So uh, if you're in that part of the country, you can check them out. And uh, let's see. I'm trying to find. Oh, yeah, the cork and pork, $5 cash per car load. So what a deal. Load up all of your family and friends and go to the Cork and Pork uh, event there, and uh, it's uh, Saturday, September 14th. So uh, they're located at 600 Lance Drive in Baxter, Tennessee, the Monaco Winery and Vineyards. And I think, is that my last one for the vineyards this week? I think so, yeah. So... If you are a vineyard, if you know someone that has a vineyard, if you know someone who likes to be promoted on this, if you would like to be on the show, we got an email from someone who we may have a guest uh, next week or the week after who does wine furniture, I guess, or wine, makes stuff out of wine barrels and wine leftovers and all sorts of stuff. Uh, He's got a website, really cool stuff. So hopefully he'll be our guest within the next week or two here. Uh, Whenever we can hook up and find a good time for both of us. So, keep that in mind. But, any of the wineries I mentioned, by all means, uh, go visit them. Tell them you've heard about them on All About Wine, so they will be happy. And 
know that being a guest on All About Wine really did help them. We got some stuff to talk to you about here. First, number one, I talked about the Grand Tour, the Wine Spectator's Grand Tour. It was last year, just, you know, it's over. I got a new flyer here. This is Wine Spectator's 39th annual New York Wine Experience. This is coming up on October the 17th through the 19th. And this is uh, a special event. This is different than the Grand Tour, the Wine Spectator's Grand Tour. This is uh, a special event here. This is held in New York. You can find out more uh, by going to uh, Wine Spectator on uh, Twitter or Facebook or uh, Instagram. And... It's October 17th and 19th. It's a three-day celebration of great wines. Attendees taste an exciting variety of wine, uh, wines with the world's best vintners, including top spring bottling and rare older vintages. Proceeds from the wine experience support the Wine Spectator Scholarship Foundation, which provides grants and scholarships to a wide variety of wine-related and culinary programs. So... That is uh, coming. Let's see. They got a whole bunch of big name wineries that are going to be there, and a whole bunch of uh, winemakers and all that, and chefs and top ten wines of eighteen from everywhere to Chile, France, and all sorts. I'm trying to find a price for you, and I'm not seeing a price. Oh, there it is. Okay. VIP four hundred seventy-five dollars. General admission, only $375. That's from 7.30 to 10. VIP gives you an extra hour. It includes tasting book and pen, delicious gourmet buffet featuring hot and cold dishes to enjoy. You know, I can almost spend the, the three hours at that. 273 wines rated at 90 plus from the world's great wine growing regions. You know, it sounds like a lot of great stuff, but, you know, just you can't imagine how fast 7.30 to 10 goes when you're doing something like that. I mean, the two and a half hours seems like two and a half minutes when you're running around trying to taste the different ones. But that's coming up October 17th and 18th. That's a Friday and uh, I'm sorry, a Thursday and a Friday. So if you're interested get a hold of Wine Spectator. Go to Wine Spectator or you can uh, uh, I'm trying to see something else here. Now, oh, the complete weekend. Complete weekend package includes set-down seminars Friday and Saturday, wine pairing luncheons Friday and Saturday, grand award banquet and champagne reception Saturday evening, and uh, it is for everything that's only $2,495 per person. So $2,500 per person. And, or if you just want to attend the banquet alone, it's $500. So, you know, it includes everything on that weekend package. So Friday and Saturday, or Thursday and Friday is the tasting. But the whole weekend package includes a 
grand buffet and award ceremony and all sorts of stuff they got going on. So set aside $2,500, and the New York Marriott Marquis is the one that they have reserved for, so mention NewYorkWineExperience.com, and you get discounts on that. And, again, that's coming at the end of October or middle of October. If you're going to it, let us know. We'd like to have a full report on it. We won't be able to make it. Mike and I, I'm afraid, are not be able to go this year. We don't have the extra $5,000 in the funds. We've been spending it on the private jet. So, um, yep. <laughs> well, I think I have to work that weekend anyway. So, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, but you know, I mean, the, the jet's <laughs> been down, and we just yeah. can't make it up there as easy. So, that's true. <clears throat> but the Wine Spectators Grand Tour. Now, this is the one that travels to three different cities. This is coming up in 2020, and the dates on that uh, have been announced. In Chicago, they will be there April the 22nd. Las Vegas, that's a Wednesday in Chicago. Las Vegas is a Saturday, April the 25th. And then the following Friday, May the 1st, is in Washington, D.C., so you've got the dates on those you can set aside. Those are the ones that they always come out every year. They rotate around. They get a whole bunch of wines on that and everything. I think that's I think that's three or four hundred dollars per ticket on that too, and a, a few hours on that. We'll find out more information on that as we get closer. Last year they sold out. I mean, you, you know, if, since we know the dates, you can get more information by going to grandtour.winespectator.com. And find out what's going on there, and then that way you will not lose your place in line and get yourself a ticket beforehand because though that that sells out. That's amazing that that thing sells out because it's such a great event. Okay, now we talked about different places to go and spend your money, and but we've got some other stuff here that I have found that's interesting over the past couple of weeks. Real difference between red and white wine. This is basics, very basics. But a lot of people listen to the program, and since we're on Facebook now, some people may be tuning in listening that are new to wine, and they decided this would be, you know, hopefully finding something here that would help educate them. Well, this is what I'm going to try to do now. The real difference between red and white wine. This is out of a trade journal called Beverage Dynamics uh, for the – it came out last uh, – month before last. But – and I'm going to – read and editorialize and stuff. And wine grapes color resides only in the skin. So the pulp and the juice are translucent. And when you cut the grapes open, regardless of the color of the skin, the wine color of the juice is the same as white clear juice. This is why grapes of any color can be made into a white wine. But only grapes with Deep tinted skins can be made into dark red wines and be called red. 
So that's why uh, you use a Pinot Noir to make uh, Pinot Noir and a Pinot Noir to make champagne, and those are two red grapes, but they use the juice, and that's the white, and that's why they can make pink. They just use a little bit of the Pinot Noir skin and make a pink champagne. But only grapes with deep colors can make it red. In fact, the main difference between red and white wines do not derive as much from the type of grape juice as they do from the different processes by which the beets are fermented. Two different styles of fermentation are for red and white wines. They go through uh, a little bit different. White wines are made without grape skins. The grape solids are discarded immediately, and only clear juice is fermented. So this explains how it's possible to make white wines out of grapes that aren't green, as well as with champagne. Okay, and I just, or Pinot Grigio, those are red grapes. I just explained that. Red wines are fermented with their skins, and it is the color, flavor, and tannin compounds found in those skins that give red wines their color and unique taste. So as a result, reds feature the stronger, more bitter flavors of grape peels. Well, while white wines have the milder flavor of pilled grapes or white grape juice. That's why some people like to pick up a white wine and say, oh, that tastes just like grape juice. Yeah, it is, because basically that's what it is. It's fermented grape juice, and you don't have the red in there to make it taste a little bit more astringent. Picture following two recipes that use the same ingredients, one hot and one cold. Peeling and straining fresh tomatoes and chilling them overnight with onions and peppers creates a delicate gazpacho soup that preserves the garden fresh taste of these ingredients. Crushing and simmering those same tomatoes whole with onions and peppers will produce a thicker, stronger tasting pasta sauce whose tomato taste is deepened and enriched by the process. You understand that. I know you do because you've had tomato sauce. Winemakers achieve the same results with grapes. Making white wine involves not only removing grape skins, but also fermenting in a closed vessel at colder temperatures in order to retain the fresh picked grape flavor. Whereas making red wine requires the opposite. Okay, you're maximizing the grape skin contact during fermentation and using open containers at a warmer temperature to extract as much of the color and flavor as possible. So it's not closed, it's, it's open. That's why when you walk into a winery and you go, hmm, it smells like a winery. Well, it's basically the reds are smelling because the whites have been closed up. Since colored compounds contain harsh tannins that act as natural preservatives, but requires some maturation to soften. This often helps explain why red wines are more often aged in barrels after fermentation than whites. So there you go. Just a simple, easy explanation of red wines and white wines. Okay. Press. Oh. Oh. Sorry about that. I thought that was a different 
Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Just a quick thing. Uh, shout out. <laughs> shout out on Facebook. Lorena says, "Hi, Grandpa Ron, from all your grandkids." <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Lorena. Yeah, thank I, I guess they just said it's not listen to me. That's good. Yeah. Very awesome. few of my relatives actually listened to me when I was on Walter Talk Radio. I go on Facebook and they're listening. So that's, that's a plus now. Yeah. That's good. Very cool. That's good. We got somebody at the door knocking at the door. I wonder if my engineer is going to get it or not. Pop it open part. Who is it? No, he's not going away. Um, no, maybe he is. Um, oh, so, well, thank you, Lorena, and the grandkids also. Crush dark skin grapes only. You ferment the whole grape, skin, seeds, pulp, and juice. You press it to separate the wine from the grape solids, and that's where the separation comes in. It's when you separate the grapes from the solids after it's fermented. And red wines, therefore, taste stronger and taste more like grape peels as opposed to grape skins. And extracting the color from grape skins requires hotter, faster, and more turbulent fermentations. Whereas white grapes... Fresh grapes of any color, press to separate the clear juice from the grapes immediately. First thing you do is separate it. Then you ferment the grape juice only. That's why white wines taste milder, more like grape juice. And preserving fresh taste of grape juice requires cooler, slower, and more tranquil fermentation. So... There's your, your basic difference between red and white wines, and that's why a lot of people like the white wines, because they are uh, lighter and fruitier, and you don't have that grape skin taste. Get yourself a red grape and get yourself a, a green grape at the store, and pop one in your mouth and pop the other in your mouth, and you immediately start seeing the difference, seeing what happens in, in the two different types there. So that's the, that's the way to do it. They leave. Um, summertime is here. It's almost passed, but this is uh, sparkling wine. There's a lot of sparkling wines being sold this summer. Number one, La Marca Prosecco by E&J Gallo. That is has taken off this summer. It's it's a big big seller. It's outpacing everyone else. And Verdi's Flamante is number two. There's another phone call. Jeez, it's been a busy night. Somebody was at the door. And somebody was, uh, uh, the phone was ringing. And actually, the phone was ringing because a friend of mine I played golf with yesterday, and he forgot his wallet in the car, and he's calling during the program. So, But, uh, number Three, Frexinet, and uh, number four, Barantara Rural Wine. So, uh, oh, is that him at the door? Oh, <laughs> she's taking care of it. Leading brands of domestic sparkling wine is Andre Wycliffe by E.J. Gallo, Cook's Constellation Brands, Corbell, 
Barefoot Bubbly, and Jay Roguet, Roguet, I think it's pronounced, and Domaine Chandon. So those are the leading domestic champagnes or sparkling wines that you can buy. Prosecco is jumping up there and doing their thing as always year after year. So, I think that's it on this, yeah. Let me get that out of the way. A few things to talk about here also. Uh, I Let me see where we are here. That's the wrong page. That's the right page. Okay. Uh, no, that's not. Well, uh, oh, there we go. Terror. We've talked about terror a lot here on the program. Terror is a sense of place. French use it to describe the the soil, the climate, uh, everything, everything that goes with the growing of grapes. It is a special. Uh, well, there, there's no equivalent word in the English language for terror. It's, it's a French word meaning just a, well, a sense of place. Really, it's, it's, it's a definition more than anything. <coughs> But more than anything, it's it's sense of place. But terror is uh, something that most people aren't aware of. Whenever you talk to people, they'll, they'll say different things. So a recent survey by uh, Decanter Magazine, which is a British magazine, asked people what terror is. And wine experts have been grappling with the definition of terror for for forever, basically. Uh, they trying to get a true meaning of the word, and they just haven't been able to get a true meaning of the word. So they did a survey. They asked the British people, what does terror mean? 34% thought it was a little breed of a dog, a small dog breed, which, you know, a terror. But uh, Yorkshire Terrier, not to be confused with wine. So, you know, the little terror they thought was the uh, definition of terror. So they uh, uh, were wrong. 30% believed it was a type of French horror film. So you're looking at 64%, almost two-thirds of the people had no idea what it is. Their answers were part of a 2,000-people commission survey by Wine and Spirit Education Trust. And they're ahead of the Wine Education Week, which runs globally from the 9th to the 15th of September. So it's coming up this Saturday, or I'm sorry, next, on this Monday, through the following Sunday. So uh, the National Wine Education Week. So learn about wine, 9th to the 15th of September. And there's lots of uh, sites that are dedicating it to that. So if you are interested, then National Wine Education Week is being ran around the globe. 
They were also asking them about Bordeaux's premier sweet wines. 7% of the people said that Salt Turns was a planet, while 1 in 5 thought it was a beach resort, and 29% argued that it was a type of orange. That's Salt Turn. When it comes to spotting corked wine, 37% of people thought it meant broken pieces of cork in the bottle, and 7% thought it was a term for being drunk. So, knowledge definitely is needed on wine. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Sauterne is a very, very sweet wine from the Sauterne region of France. Very sweet, almost a honey, honey texture to it is so sweet. And very expensive, actually. Salt turns are quite expensive. And a corked wine is one that has been affected by a chemical reaction from the cork into the wine, causing it to give a barnyardy smell and a little off taste. So that's what a corked wine is. 51% of the people said they wanted to learn about wine. Uh, same uh, percentage that was uh, uncovered when they did a survey on uh, actually the higher percentage. More people wanted to learn about wine than they did on surveys about beer, cider, and spirits. So it is something that people are interested in, and the knowledge is definitely lacking. So uh, it's encouraging to say to see people that want to learn about wine, especially in the fact that Wine Education Week is the perfect time to do just that. Uh, but when it comes to food, 28% of those surveyed said they successfully paired specific wines with certain dishes. However, 55% they wouldn't know where to start with wine and food pairings. As an aside here, I'll tell you, you want balance. You don't want the food to overpower the wine. You don't want the wine to overpower the food. You want it balanced. So always look at that. And 17% of the respondents said that they had been traumatized by snooty wine waiters. So I'm sure other people have too. I'm a little intimidated by them even at that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Top reason for choosing a wine was I had drunk it before and I loved it. And that's 34% of people said that, whereas 33% admitted choosing wine based on an attractive label. And I have talked about that before, how important a label is to a wine and how a label can make or break a cell of a wine. So there you go. That's uh, uh, by lead into the fact that you wine education week this this coming week learn more about wine uh, there's lots of things out there lots of sites out there All right. <coughs> excuse me or i might suggest you go and listen to archive episodes of all about wine pick one a day listen to it pick one with the subject that you might be interested in listen to it and you're going to get a little bit of education there Try to make it simple for you. Try to make it easy to understand. So that would be a way to do it if you want to learn more about wine. Okay, let's see. Along, let's see, where is this here? Champagne? No, 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 no. I'm not preparing. 
another Burgundy. Oh, heat wave has hit Burgundy area. You know that. We've talked about the heat in the past. Oh, by the way, we all have recovered well from the hurricane. It's not, not giving us any problems or anything. It's moving up coasts. Our thoughts are with the people up and down the coast in the United States that's being affected by it, and especially the people in the Bahamas. And uh, cross your fingers and watch out because there's more coming at us, it seems. So uh, keep keep an eye on those. French Venters have lived through all sorts of different types of heat and dry harvests. But the last time that they've had it this extreme, they trace back to the 14th century during the time of the Black Death. Weather extremes are considered normal now for anybody under the age of 30, and they've never seen the historical records. But Europe is was recovering from the pandemic when the heat hit. Uh, that conclusion has been examined by researchers and all that. They said the harvest and the data, grape harvest and data, goes back to 1354 according to a European Geoscience Union uh, journal climate of the past. It is extremely unusual, outstanding hot and dry years in the past were outliers while they have become the norm now, especially since 1988. And they said that uh, 13 days earlier, when the uh, heat got so hot, it was over last affected 664 years ago, they said, when it was as hot as it was this past uh, past month. So, underscores how climate change is starting to force population to adopt and also Burgundy farmers changing their vineyards and how they are going to attend the vineyards. How are they going to take care of it? Uh, legendary hot summer of 1540 dried up the Rhine River by combining or by combing through some 300 documentary reports they're finding that it actually dried up the Rhine River it was so hot and so they when they harvested grapes right back then they were like raisins they were shriveled up and yielded a sweet sherry like wine that most people just rapidly drank they loved it it was you know because of the sweetness to it but the soaring temperatures do not guarantee a good harvest. If anything, it could create a bad harvest. So it's been many, many years since we have seen temperatures of this hot in Europe. I mean, over 600 years since it's been this hot in Europe. And it's something that they're afraid that's going to continue to cause problems. Napa Valley is looking at changing some of their way of grape raising and harvesting and thinking because of climate change. Also, it's not just in Europe. And I know I'm talking about climate change out here, but we just had this hurricane go through, which they say is the reason one of the reasons it was so intense is because of climate change. Higher temperatures are recorded 
across the globe, but in California's Napa Valley, uh, they're experiencing a roller coaster ride of major climate changes. And it also includes earthquakes, fires, record rainfalls, and droughts. I just received my monthly newsletter from Ron Rubin from, uh, uh, oh, jeez, from Ron Rubin Winery and uh, from the winemaker there, uh, Joe. Uh, from Ron Rubin Winery, and he said that uh, beautiful spring, the bud break was delayed a little bit, and the horizon was delayed, and then it got so bloody hot in August uh, that the harvest is back early again. They thought they were going to have a normal harvest, but it's backing up again because it's so, so hot. Uh, the uh, fantastic largely Cabernet-based premium wines are coming out of Napa. They're warning that the heat can change that because the nights are not cooling down like they would like to concentrate that sweetness into the grape and to bring up that sugar. Uh, it's causing a province a forum earlier in August titled Cabernet Climate Change dealt with how winemakers can and should adapt. Uh, they're getting 105 degree days in Napa, which is somewhat unusual. I I follow San Francisco weather, and San Francisco was getting temperatures into the mid-80s, I noticed this past month, and that's rare for San Francisco. Most of the time, they are usually in the mid-70s at the hottest. Another thing about that right over the hill is Livermore Valley. And Livermore was getting some very hot temperatures, which will affect the grapes. So, what grape varieties can they use to make Cabernet continue to feel, look, and taste like Cabernet? Even if it's not 100% Cabernet, they don't know. They're looking. They're trying to find something. They're trying to find things that they can do for blending. They're trying to find things that can uh, come out well. Petite Syrah, Zimadol, uh, you know, even Chenin Blanc can thrive in some of this heat, but it's still going to be a problem. So, uh, they, I don't know. It's it, it's something that we will continue to watch and monitor and all that. But they are trying to come up with grapes that will survive in the warmer climate. And they have been testing them. Let's see, I've got a couple here. Uh, here we go. The, uh, I had to wait for my site to come up here. New grapes are saving the wine industry from climate change. This is an article uh, dated uh, three days ago. Climate change continues to present challenges, and Bordeaux, France, as like I just said, been facing some major challenges with the temperatures. So they are looking at new grapes to grow in France and the Bordeaux region to see if they can come up with a, a heat-hardy grape, if you will. Uh, research into hardier grape varieties started back in 2008, but in 2017, 
members of the Bordeaux and Bordeaux Superior Association took an urgent look at this, and they identified four red varieties, and I'm going to kill these names, uh, Arinorina, A-R-I-N-A-R-N-O-A, is one of them, Trego Nashal, is that one, Castets, C-A-S-T-E-T-S, and Marsalan, or Marsalan, M-A-R-S-E-L-A-N. Those are the red, and then there's three white grapes, uh, Little Lorley, Little Lorla, L-I-L-I-O-R-I-L-A, Petit Mansing, which M-A-N-S-E-N-G, Mansing, Petit Mansing, and Alvarinho. Uh, A-L-V-A-R-I-N-H-O. These are ones that they're looking at that could be resilient enough to face the challenges of growing in the heat and the vineyards. The Petit Mensing, for example, is resistant to gray rot. And the uh, Trega National is a, nat- a late ripening variety that won't be harmed by spring frost, which is a major problem in the Bordeaux area. And it said that they lost almost 80% of their crop there in 2017 because of early frost, which, ooh, you know, I mean, that, that's just a, nothing you can do. You go through the rest of the year just crying because you know you've lost it. The initial, uh, our initiative still needs to pass France's National Institute of Origin and Quality. So it needs to be approved, but once it's approved, then they can start planting. And only 5% of the vineyards are looking at doing it so far with these new grapes and looking at doing some blending and stuff. It's it's a ways off, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's something that has to be done. They're planting grapes higher on hillsides. Chile is looking at moving up the mountains more because it's so getting so warm on the coast where some of the grapevines are. They want plant varieties everywhere that are resistant to disease uh, because of the, and to help decrease the amount of chemical products they use, which is, you know, a back and forth thing. Uh, Bordeaux's new uh, let's see what it says. Bordeaux's new missive is one of Europe's largest and most notable to date. Uh, a new region in Italy, Frank Francie Corta, uh, has been fighting in. The region is best known for their sparkling wines, which requires high levels of acid in the grapes for production. However, the grapes are uh, riper grapes result in hotter weather means less acidity, which is a good thing to remember. If it's cooler, you higher acids. When it's warmer, it's lower acids. In the 90s, the region began to preserve some of the indigenous grapes out of the Italian area, and they have looked at Erbemacht, a grape that the consortium thinks is going to work well, and it has been approved for use as of 2017, but it's restricted to only 10% in a blend to start with. So, we're looking at new grapes, looking at new grapes being 
tested. We're looking at new grace being tried. We're looking at new grace being joined into the blends that you're going to have. You probably won't see the difference. I don't see anything so far about grapes in the United States. I I know they're testing. They're always testing. They're always trying to come up with new grapes. But I haven't seen anything about approval about putting them in the ground about new blends and stuff like that. Uh, it's still, I'm sure it's being done, but it's still not being published or anything. So, and whenever you talk to someone about what the blend is, they are really pretty honest about what they're putting into it. But I haven't heard any new types of, of grapes being added to anything. Um, so, Pinot Blanc and eventually Pinot Gris will be removed from some of the grow areas because they overripe too quickly and they lose their delicious freshness and their delicate freshness. We'll be seeing grapes that will take over from that. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me again. I, I'm on a medication that makes me cough. When I, call, when I talk a lot, it makes me cough. So. Uh, so this is uh, an issue that we have out there with climate change. And a lot of the stories that I see, a lot of the things that are out there, a lot of the stuff that's listed is talking about climate change. And so I wanted to share that with you. Another thing, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks back, or more than that. Gee, time gets away from me. This has been a good month, month and a half. I talked about... <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, marijuana damage to grapes. Up in Mendocino County, there is a, uh, a a grape farm. I guess they're farms. I don't know. What would you call them? Grape field, grape operation. And next to it is a vineyard. And the vineyard sued the marijuana farm because it was affecting the grapes and uh, they sued them under the uh, what under the RICO Act I think so RICO Act concrete financial loss yeah so a federal judge has ruled that an Oregon vineyard has plausibly alleged has possibly alleged harm from a neighboring marijuana operation and may proceed with a racketeering lawsuit against it. So it's been ruled as denied the marijuana growing neighbor's motion to dismiss it, finding that Montaza Vineyard has legal standing under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act to pursue the case. Now, why they went under the Rifle Act, I have no idea. That just uh, is strange. It claims that under the Rifle Act, there is suffered concrete financial loss because a customer canceled an order over fears the grapes were contaminated with the smell of marijuana. Now, growing them is is like hemp. You're not going to get to smell like a crop. I don't know. I you know, but they said it can go. 
The customer's concerns, whether valid or invalid, arose directly from the proximity of the defendant's marijuana grow operation. The judge wrote in a 20-page opinion. Uh, they argued that uh, the allegations of lost grape sales and reduced marketability is just so much garbage, and they have no concrete evidence caused by the radical violations. But the judge rejected the claims of the people growing the, the marijuana. Uh, earlier this year, a federal judge dismissed a similar suit filed against another marijuana growing operation near Lebanon, Oregon because the alleged drop in real estate values to neighboring landowners wasn't considered a compensationable property injury under RICO. So this one is going forward. It's not sure what's going to happen with it. I read you something that it was they were being sued. A vineyard was suing a, a, a grower and... This is the latest thing I saw about uh, several cases against marijuana growers and retailers have been filed alleging RICO violations, but they are still up in there and still being looked at. So I don't know. It's mm. something that it's an ongoing thing, especially out there in California, Mendocino County, Oregon, different areas like that. There's a lot of marijuana growers popping up around vineyards, a lot of them. And because of that, there's uh, controversies about is it going to affect the grower? Is it going to affect the vineyard? Is it going to affect all that? So, you know, it's really up in the air on that stuff. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So, but uh, there you go. One more thing here quickly. How to buy a vineyard. And I'm going to have to get a hold of it so I can start telling you price. But this is an article here. But the highlights of this, how to buy a vineyard. Number one, take a real estate reality check. You know, Napa Valley, anywhere from $350,000 million per acre. And Sonoma, slightly less, at $85,000 to the $300,000 age. Oregon, you can get vineyards for $55,000 to $85,000 an acre. All right. A reality check. Know the cost of doing the business. Found anywhere from $35,000 to $65,000 per acre per year, depending on spacing, terrain, soil, design, all those factors come into your cost. And you got your, you know, your equipment and everything else to think about. But if you grow good grapes, you've got yourself money, lots of money, five ton an acre. Uh, and uh, also consider weather can destroy it, all sorts of things there. So if you're planning on getting yourself a, a vineyard, then do yourself a serious study before. And if you plan on doing it to sell the grapes, that's always a good way to do it. Instead of going into the expense of a vineyard, you can always sell the grapes. Good quality grapes are always, always seeked in any state in the nation. If you want to open up a vineyard and get a vineyard going, any state in the nation that you want to grow it, you can always find buyers for it. It's always a good, good market. So, there we go. Ah, the doorbell. <laughs> 
<laughs> another hello, another shout out to Becky. Thank you, Becky. She's a longtime uh, follower, listener uh, to All About Wine. Uh, I've seen her liking a bunch of posts and everything and following us. So uh, she says hi in the chat room and uh, thank you and hi back to you. And thank you for uh, for chatting real quick with us. Thank you and for tuning in. Okay. Yep. Um, so let's see. We will. Uh, close down the show for this week. It is 8.08 p.m. and we will be back next week. That's uh, August the 12th. August. September the 12th. September the 12th. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be back September the 12th. We probably uh, should start in. announcing how many days till Christmas. Huh? You know, I mean... Or, I, I think so. <laughs> we're getting, we're know, getting almost that time. That you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe change the uh, the intro music to uh, something more holiday-like because uh, the holidays are right here. Um, yeah. Yeah, so creeping up upon us. We will uh, return then, and we'll see you again uh, next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, like I said earlier, and uh, it's been on the on the page, uh, on the video screen, uh, you know, like and share the page and, and uh, the video episodes and let people know about us. We really appreciate it. And um, thank you for uh, chatting as well. Um, and that was always enjoyable. So uh, we will see you all next time, 7 p.m. Eastern time right here. Uh, if you're listening to us on Facebook Live or on our show page at Blog Talk Radio. We'll see you all then. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. See you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, Links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. (laughs) 